Thank you for downloading this episode of our podcast. Hi, and welcome to the podcast for Solomon Staircase Masonic Lodge number 357, where we talk about all things related with Freemasonry, including hermetic teachings, philosophy, reason, spirituality, and much more. We're located in Buena Park, Southern California. Tune in as we continue to update our podcast with informative talks and articles for Masons worldwide and those who would like to inquire within. Okay, these first two book reviews are going to be from the October 1998 Scottish Rite Journal of Freemasonry. And the first one is about a book, Symbols of Freemasonry, by Daniel Berezniak, with full-page color illustrations by Laziz Hamani, published by Editions Asuline in Paris, distributed in America by St. Martin's Press. Published by a French firm, with color separations made in Switzerland, typesetting in Paris, and printed and bound in Italy, this is an international book in more than one sense of the word, and it is a treasure. Coffee table size, but not too big to hold and read easily. The book contains some of the most beautiful photographs I've ever seen. There are embroidered emblems, painted aprons, details from carved furniture, tracing boards, and many other images to help follow the history of Masonic symbolism. The photographer, Laziz Hamani, has done a remarkable job. But the illustrations are just that. They illustrate and reinforce the text, and the text is worth reading. A few examples. A journey of initiation is not a package tour. There are no signposts. The risk of becoming lost, of sliding back when attempting to go forwards, is what gives life to the unexpected. The intertwining of danger and promise creates the possibility of understanding and allows the idea of freedom to be considered a moral value. What Freemasons have to offer is the notion of a society created around the union of diversity, the opposite of a union of conformity. Freemasons are delighted not to have all the same opinions, for debate is vital to a culture. Freemasonry is indeed a culture and, like all cultures, is a living fire where answers fuel new questions. Freemasons delve into myths in order to understand how the human mind works with a view to becoming free people, which is to say, people who act rather than react. During their journeys, they cast aside their layman's rags in order to don their costumes of light and live out different roles. In this way, Freemasons are able to experience a reality which is often denied to or simply ignored by those people bound by the prejudices and certitudes of current fashionable philosophies. Working with symbolism can have a practical application when it helps us to undermine our automatic responses and link words to their origin. It corrects the formation of prejudices which in turn generate aberrant behavior. Symbolism is immune from the drift towards the occult which often accompanies esoteric study. It does not confuse devotion with mysticism, faith with trust, or servility with goodwill. It teaches us to think clearly and behave better. Just looking through the chapter titles gives one a good overview of the book. The Calendar, Dating the Creation of the Universe, The Chamber of Reflection, Preparation for a Journey, King Solomon's Temple, A Community of Brothers, The Mosaic Pavement, Opposites United, King Solomon's Throne, The Master's Chair, Light, A Metaphor for the Word, The Volume of the Sacred Law, The First Greater Light, The Two Pillars, A Symbol of Duality, The Builder's Tools, Increasing the Power of the Hands, The Mason's Clothing, Dressed for Work, The Blades, The Cut and Thrust of Clear Thinking, The Vegetable World, Food, Signs, and Attributes, The Animal World, Images for Humankind, 
the world and nature. Nature is the other great book. Great banquets, eating and drinking together. The most common rites, exploring behaviors through ritual. Lodges of adoption, brothers and sisters. Ideas in the artisan, thought is the raw material. And finally, becoming a Freemason, or reaching further. Another advantage of the book is that, written in France and translated in England, it gives an insight into masonry as practiced by different lodges in different countries. Consider this description of the petitioning process. People generally become Freemasons by recommendation. All candidates have a sponsor. When a lodge has been informed that it has a new candidate, it votes to see if it will consider accepting him. The worshipful master then appoints three investigators who work in ignorance of one another. Each investigator meets the candidate and drafts a report which is read out in lodge. Then the candidate's photo, with name, address, and profession, are put up on a notice board in a place frequented by all the members of the obedience so that the brethren from other lodges can examine them. The author then explains that the candidate next comes to the lodge where he is questioned by the members. Only then do they take a final vote as to whether to accept the person as a member. To those of us who have seen lodge investigating committees meet only with themselves, possibly after a phone call to the candidate, and then report favorably, this seems a phantasm and a dream. Again, this is a book I can recommend to every Mason, whether your interest is in symbolism or the variations in Masonic practice or just in a beautiful book. Luscious is a good word for it. And the next book being reviewed is Regalia of the Grand Lodge Officers, The Grand Lodge of Texas, AF and AM by Pete Martinez. While we're dealing with symbolism, let me call your attention to a beautiful little booklet with some interesting surprises. Regalia of the Grand Lodge Officers, the Grand Lodge of Texas, AF and AM, Brother Martinez is, among other Masonic credentials, past master of Tyler Lodge number 1233, Canton Lodge number 98, and the Texas Lodge of Research. He is brought together in illustrated materials from several sources relating to the aprons of the Grand Lodge Officers of Texas. They are unique in masonry, completely unlike other Grand Lodge aprons you may have seen, and rely heavily on geometry in their designs. This booklet, printed in full color, illustrates the aprons and describes their origins and meanings. It may be the best short course in geometry in Masonic symbolism available today. Even if you've never been closer to the Red River than the Potomac or Mississippi Rivers, you will find it interesting and enjoyable reading. And also, I think we forgot to give credit, but these book reviews are by Jim Tresner, 33rd Degree Grand Cross. And I believe he writes most of the book reviews that we will be reading. So this round of book reviews is by Jim Tresner, 33rd Degree, and is from the January 2003 Scottish Rite Journal of Freemasonry. And starts with the book Reflections on Higher Education by Stephen Joel Trachtenberg, 33rd Degree Grand Cross. Illustrious Brother Trachtenberg, Grand Cross, is the president of the George Washington University and one of America's outstanding educators. This book is a collection of speeches given to various groups about the nature and role of higher education. Many of us have, at best, a relationship of armed neutrality with our higher education. We're prepared to admit it's important. We want the doctors who treat us, the lawyers who resolve our legal issues, and the engineers who design the bridges over which we drive to have the very best education possible. At the same time, we suspect the world of the campus of being a little artificial, an ivory tower separated from real life. And we are, perhaps, suspicious of the apparent social engineering taught and practiced there. I spent part of my life professing on a college campus, and I know there is reality in some of these concerns. 
Speaking frankly and openly to these issues, illustrious Trachtenberg insists, there is no ivory and not that much ivy on campus. That one of the book's chapter is the text from a talk by illustrious Trachtenberg during one of his visits as a guest speaker to a Masonic lodge in Washington, D.C. gives the book a special Masonic interest. The remaining two items are from McCoy Publishing and Masonic Supply Company, so I'll put the ordering information here. And I actually will put a link on the notes as well. The first one is called Defense of the Ruffians, A Dialogue with Conscience, a one-act play paperbound booklet. For years, I have promised myself I am going to direct this one-act play, but I recommend it to you for reading as well as for performance. It is an edgy work. It has only two actors, and only one of whom is ever seen. That character is the third ruffian from our degrees. The unseen voice is that of his conscience. The first two ruffians are dead, and the third is awaiting execution. Staging is easy. Simply place a tall stool in an area of the lodge room where everyone can see the actor. Spotlight it and let the actor, in costume or not, sit on and move around the stool. That's all you need. Plus, of course, a very good actor. And, off stage, a brother with a good voice to read the part of the third ruffian's conscience. Reading the play provides some profound reflections. Seeing the play performed will make these thoughts even more compelling. The author plants you firmly on the hook at the beginning and does not let you off until the last line. What really motivated the murder of Hiram? How did the fact that King Solomon, for all intents and purposes, made slaves of his own people to build the temple affect the outcome? There is a compelling honesty to the play's words, and those movements, when Jubilum comes close to self-realization, make the play psychologically dramatic and moving. Reading or seeing this play may make you a little uncomfortable, but it will also make the Master Mason degree fresh and new for you. And the next one is by Woodward W. Morris, The Greatest of These. This book is a collection of quotations from many different sources on such topics as charity, benevolence, etc. Thought-provoking and eloquent, many of the quotations are especially useful as a resource when speaking at Friends Nights, talking to a civic club about Masonic charity, or writing an article for the local newspaper about a Masonic charity or fundraising event. The quotations are about philanthropy generally, not specifically Masonic charity in most cases, but the book is still a useful resource and a thoughtful read. Okay, the next round here is from the January 1999 Scottish Rite Journal of Freemasonry and is also by Jim Tresner, 33rd Degree Grand Cross. So the first book is called Hooked on Books, Everybody's Guide to Book Collecting by Maurice Dunbar. Maurice V. Dunbar, Ph.D., 32nd Degree, retired professor of English, librarian, and orator of the San Jose Scottish Rite Temple, and obviously a man I'd like to know, has written a great book here. Even if you have no intention of ever collecting books, this one is one worth owning. In the first place, most of us end up with a collection, whether we intended to or not. But beyond that, there is much in this book for anyone who owns any books at all. There are notes on how to preserve the value of your books. For example, don't throw away the dust jacket or use it to mark pages. And very good information about how to clean and care for books. I must admit that I worry more about my own use of a book than about the posterity of it. I usually glue a ribbon into the spine to be used as a bookmark, and if I really enjoy a book, I make marginal notes. Brother Dunbar strongly advises against this under most circumstances, and he's right. But on the other hand, one of my most treasured possessions is a copy of Moralist and Dogma, picked up at a garage sale, in which three different owners had made notes, sometimes commenting on the notes of an earlier owner. My own working copy of Morals and Dogma is a mass of underlinings and notations. 
but then for me, it's more of a textbook. And Brother Dunbar agrees that different rules apply then. This is a good book, easy and rewarding to read. If you love books or need to know how to fix and care for them or just want a good book about books, this is for you. And the next one is called Everything is Under Control, Conspiracies, Cults, and Cover-Ups by Robert Anton Wilson. I badly misjudged this book when I first saw the cover. Is there a lesson there? Oh no, thought I. One more book telling how Masons are horrid conspirators. Wrong! This is a good book, written in a lively style, which lists the efforts of the conspiracy mongers and just indicates what the reality may be. It is a breath of sanity in an otherwise goofy world. If you want to treasure the belief that there are dark doings behind every corner, this is not the book for you. But then masonry isn't for you either. But if you enjoy reason and intelligence presented with an occasional touch of wit, you'll enjoy this work. Let me illustrate with a quotation from this section on masonry. The major offense of masonry to orthodox churches is that it, like our First Amendment, encourages equal tolerance for all religions, and this tends somewhat to lessen dogmatic allegiance to any one religion. Those who insist you must accept their dogma fervently and renounce all others as devilish errors correctly see this Masonic tendency as inimitable to their faith. So our next round of books is from August 1992, Scottish Bright Journal of Freemasonry, and these are reviewed by Dr. S. Brent Morris, 33rd degree. So the first one is, actually I'm going to read the whole article here. The term coffee table book is often used to diminish a class of books. They're usually handsome, oversized volumes with many beautiful pictures. The suspicion is that most of these books are bought more for their appearance on a coffee table than for their contents. The works reviewed this month are superficially coffee table books. They are beautiful, oversized examples of bookmaking filled with impressive illustrations. They should not, however, be consigned to the coffee table until they have been thoroughly read and digested. With much more to offer than elegance, they are important books for every student of masonry. So the first one is Freemasonry, A Celebration of the Craft by John Hamill and Robert Gilbert, editors. June 24, 1992 marks the 275th anniversary of the formation of the Grand Lodge of England. This wonderful book was created to help celebrate this momentous event and what a celebration has offered the reader. The general editors are John Hamill, librarian and curator of the Grand Lodge and Museum in London, and Robert Gilbert, noted Masonic author. The forward is by H.R.H., the Duke of Kent, most forceful Grand Master of the United Grand Lodge of England, and the introduction is by the Reverend Norman Vincent Peale, 33rd degree Grand Cross. Respected Masonic scholars from around the world have contributed to this book, including the Grand Commanders of the two American Supreme Councils, illustrious brothers C. Fred Kleinknecht, 33rd degree, and Francis G. Paul, 33rd degree. Paraphrasing illustrious brother Peale's introduction, brothers Hamill and Gilbert have answered the question, what is Freemasonry? With the more meaningful question, what is a Freemason? They highlight the accomplishments of brothers in government, sports, science, entertainment, industry, medicine, and religion. Most of these highlights are accompanied by beautiful pictures. Some of the famous Masons covered include George Washington, Benjamin Franklin, Rudyard Kipling, Sam Houston, Giuseppe Garibaldi, Winston Churchill, Johann Goethe, Wolfgang Mozart, Simon Bolivar, Audie Murphy, and many, many more. While I knew, generally, most of these stories of accomplishment, I was still compelled to stop every few pages to read in detail about yet another Masonic achievement. This is a book that's hard to put down. Freemasonry, a celebration of the craft, begins with a brief but detailed overview of the origins of our gentle fraternity. This is followed by histories of Freemason in England, 
Scotland, Ireland, France, America, Europe, Africa, and Asia. Along the way are explanations of Masonic tolerance, charity, integrity, and fidelity. The book closes with a reading list and a gallery of 275 famous Masons. Without taking away from the luster of this work, it should be noted that there are a few rough spots. While there is ample coverage of symbolic and Scottish Rite Masonry, there is a puzzling lack of detail on the York Rite. The absence of a reference list, full illustration credits, or precise citations for quotations is annoying. Still, this is the most exciting Masonic book published this year. It is inspiring, beautiful, and informative. Just what you would want your family and friends to read about Masonry. A perfect gift for any Mason from a past master to the youngest entered apprentice. It also belongs in your lodge, in your community library, and on your bookshelf. Buy a copy of this splendid book and join in the celebration of 275 years of Freemasonry. The next book is Splendors of the Past, Lost Cities of the Ancient World by the National Geographic Society. Noting that the publisher is the venerable National Geographic Society should establish the production standards of this book. The pictures are breathtaking and the writing is clear with something to interest every reader. An excellent text presents the stories of fabulous ancient cities that have been lost for centuries but have recently been rediscovered. The brilliant photography shows archaeologists at work uncovering the past as well as current citizens living in the area of the ruins. Drawings depict what life was like for the residents of thousands of years ago, and the pictures let the reader easily visualize the grandeur of some of these age-old edifices. A reasonable question to ask at this point is, what does this have to do with Freemasonry? The answer is found in the chapter, The Royal Cities of Solomon. The single dominant king symbol of Freemasonry is King Solomon's Temple. This chapter gives the reader an excellent view of what life must have been like in Jerusalem during Solomon's reign. And some modern Israeli customs are shown to be outgrowths of ancient practices. There is even a brief discussion of what Hiram, king of Tyre, probably thought of David and Solomon. The book points out that no actual remains of Solomonic Jerusalem have survived. Nonetheless, it doesn't take much imagination to picture ancient stonemasons at work in the city and at the temple. Amplifying this material is information on the Sumer, Kush, Hittite, and other empires. The lands of these Middle Eastern civilizations neighbored the Kingdom of Israel, and their architecture and customs illuminate that of ancient Israel. Clearly, Splendors of the Past, Lost Cities of the Ancient World, is one of those books that is enjoyable in its own right, but hides a special reward for the Masonic scholar. Our final set of books to uh, cover in this review is from the Scottish Rite Journal of Freemasonry, February 1999. And again, this is by Jim Tresner, 33rd Degree Grand Cross. Man on the Flying Trapeze, The Life and Times of W.C. Fields by Simon Luvish. From time to time in this column, I review books about famous Masons, even though they do not deal with their Masonry. Such is the case here. Brother W.C. Fields of E. Copy Mitchell Lodge, number 605, Philadelphia, has always been one of the entertainment figures I most admire. I love both his wit and his delivery. Who could not love such lines as, I have given up drinking, I now use alcohol only for medicinal purposes. I keep this small flask handy only in case I am bitten by a serpent, which I also keep handy. And I've gone through much of my adult life treasuring those moments when someone asks me if I like children so I can respond with the Fieldsian... It depends entirely upon the sauce. As Luvish proves, Fields was a creative genius whose greatest creation was himself. But the Fields everyone thinks they know never existed. 
Far from being a parsimonious man, Fields was generous with both his time and money, and far from hating children and dogs, he loved both, and both responded to him with love. The book provides a compelling and fascinating portrait of this highly complex and lovable man who understood masonry with his heart and human nature with his head. The next book is Thinking Out Loud, A Decade of Thoughts on Higher Education by Stephen Joel Trachtenberg, 33rd Degree Grand Cross. When we think of contemporary Masons who get things done, it would be hard not to think of illustrious Trachtenberg, president of the George Washington University and a member of Benjamin D. B. French Lodge Number 15 and the Scottish Rite Bodies, both of Washington, D.C., and his second book, Thinking Out Loud, is clear, lucid, witty, and insightful. It is true that he is primarily addressing issues of higher education, but that means that he must and does concern himself with the great issues of contemporary society and intellectual and spiritual freedom as well. The selections are brief and pointed, and they will expand your thinking. If I had to pick a favorite, I think it might be the death and rebirth of empathy. He expanded my thinking on the role of what might be called societal empathy and shows why it is so important. Dr. Trachtenberg is not writing for a primarily Masonic audience, but Masons will have no trouble at all in seeing the relationship of the articles to our great precepts of the craft. Our brother has spent his career as the president of some of the most prestigious universities. He has been honored by academic institutions around the world, and he distills a lifetime of experience into this little book. I bet you'll enjoy it. And the final one is The Medal of Honor, the letter G in Valor, by S. Kenneth Beryl. Probably the closest anyone can hope to literally certified Masonic heroes are the brethren who have been awarded the Congressional Medal of Honor. From the conflicts of the early 1800s through the Civil War and on to Vietnam, Brother Beryl has collected the names, ranks, and organizations, citations, and other information about the hundreds of Masons who have received the nation's highest honor. It's rare that a book can make you feel proud but this one can. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a comment. We enjoy hearing from our listeners. If you really like what you heard, share this podcast with your friends and lodge members. Visit us online at solomonstaircase.org.